Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Brian Bourdeau has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Brian. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, February 26, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And in Finland, where it's cold, but not as cold as before, I'm Patrick Beja. And I'm the show's uh, producer with uh, Roger Chang. <laughs> Hi, Roger. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Lane off today. Uh, playing the part of Sarah Lane on today's show will be Amos, our intern. Well, you're not our intern yet, Amos, but soon. Not, in, not until Tuesday. Tuesday, next Tuesday, yes, you become Amos the intern. Today, oh. you're just a you're just a man. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a timekeeper. Let me get to that. Yeah, uh, Amos helping us out today. Sarah's off. She'll be back tomorrow. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman says his sources say Apple has been testing a sleep tracking feature on the Apple Watch, something a lot of people have wanted, with plans to bring it to the device by 2020. Apple sells an under-mattress sleep tracking sensor from Finland's Bedit, which Apple acquired back in 2017. The health app on iOS also supports sleep tracking based on alarms and third-party integrations. But then when do you charge it? That's the question. Google launched version 1.2 of its cross-platform UI framework called Flutter. It is it now supports Android app bundles and instant apps and lays the groundwork for helping devs accept in-app payments. Flutter 1.2 also includes new keyboard events and mouse hover support in preparation for eventual desktop app support. Researchers at the security firm Eclipsium are publishing a paper <laughs> describing how five-year-old vulnerabilities in baseboard management controllers, or BMCs, can compromise IBM's bare metal cloud computing service because of the super micro hardware it runs on. The BMC vulnerability can allow a customer to leave a backdoor on a cloud machine that would remain even after the server is wiped clean and reprovisioned. IBM will now reflash factory firmware on all BMCs before reprovisioning, though a lot of security researchers are saying, man, there's a way to subvert reflashing, so we're not done yet. And this is not the Bloomberg report, Bloomberg report about super micro from a while back. Nothing to do with that. Totally. Totally different. Google Docs AI-generated grammar suggestions is now rolling out to all G Suite users. Google has announced uh, has not announced when it will come to all Google Doc users. I would like it, though. All right, let's get into some uh, mobile news. There's a Mobile World Congress happening in Barcelona. HTC has added 20 new decentralized apps to its blockchain smartphone, the Exodus One. That's the one that went on sale in December. This includes a numbers app that will let a user 
exchange their own personal information. They say, look, you can track me. You can figure out uh, my accelerometer data. Uh, I'll decide what you can have. But in exchange, you're going to give me some cryptocurrency. Uh, the idea is to give users control over what data is shared while providing some transparency in how that data is used. You actually get to see who the data is sold to in this. Kind of interesting. HTC also partnered with Opera. Uh, to allow for Ethereum micropayments on supporting websites with support for Bitcoin and Litecoin coming in a few months. Uh, so you would be able to have micropayments go to sites rather than having to sign up for something like Patreon or something like that. HTC will also now sell the Exodus one for cash, fiat currency. You don't have to buy it with cryptocurrency <laughs> anymore. It's available for $699 starting in March uh, before you could only buy it with crypto. Ba- Patrick, what do you make of all this? I make a company that is desperately trying to find a use for that uh, device, which was a cool idea, but I'm not sure is working out for them or really for anyone. Or is it? I I don't know either. It's certainly a headline grabber because it's got cryptocurrency and that's a buzzword and it gets clicks. Uh, I love the idea of experimenting with ways to give users control. I'm not sure that a lower selling phone like the Exodus One is really going to move the needle on that anywhere, but it's an interesting experiment. And maybe if it works in a small way, it will inspire other apps on other platforms to, to happen. I could see that. Yeah, it's definitely a chicken and egg issue because we've been talking about the idea that you could decide who you sell and how you sell your data, uh, who you sell to and how you sell it. And this is the type of, of technology that could enable that. Um, But in order for this to be really useful, it would need to be implemented quite widely. And it doesn't seem like the uh, user base of that phone would be enough to encourage people to to implement those systems. Maybe for some specific uh, communities, it could work. But it seems uh, like something that that would remain Mm. limited until it's adopted more widely. Yeah. I mean, for those people who were like, eh, CryptoKitties isn't enough for me to buy a phone. Now you got some other apps to look at. Uh, but I still think you're right. The Exodus One is a laboratory. It's an interesting little laboratory to experiment and try some stuff. Uh, it's not necessarily the place where something's going to take off. And I also wonder, actually, if these uh, ideas could be implemented without the complication of cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. selling your data, right. and things like that. So, No, I think that's a really good point, too. Uh, all right, let's move on. The United States Federal Trade Commission will launch a task force to monitor competition among technology companies. It will include current members of the FTC's Bureau for Competition, as well as 17 staff attorneys. While investigating current practices, it will also examine previous mergers, that's really interesting, and could recommend companies be spun out. Meanwhile, the U.S. Justice Department lost an appeal to reverse the merger of AT&T and Time Warner for failing to demonstrate anti-competitive behavior. It is unclear if the DOJ will appeal the decision to the Supreme Court. Man, last time the DOJ lost a case against the merger, I dismissed it along with many other people as, well, they're not going to appeal it. The merger's about to go through and the merger did go through and we're like, see, and then the Department of Justice brought the appeal anyway and was like, if we win, we'll undo the merger. So 
I'm not going to say they won't appeal it to the Supreme Court until for sure someone at the Department of Justice says we are for sure not appealing it to the Supreme Court. (laughs) Uh, But I think this other FTC effort is is very interesting because there's been a lot of rhetoric out there about breaking up Facebook, saying make them spin out WhatsApp and Instagram so they are not dominant over data across three platforms. A lot of people looking at Google the same way and saying you should break them up uh, into various components. And this seems to be a nod not towards doing that, but but towards taking the steps to investigating that kind of idea. And it seems like this kind of, of behavior, first of all, would have been impossible uh, three or four years ago. And the situation was different, but it still uh, uh, felt like the companies were unassailable. And now, of course, the uh, uh, mood has changed a lot in all of the countries. Uh, but in the US, at least from the perspective of an outsider, it feels like the kind of thing that would um, be politically too difficult uh, to implement or to put together um, because it seems like anti-business practices. And uh, for all the talk that we have, and we have a lot of it, of Facebook maybe being too big, being dominant, it always feels from the outside like it's all just talk and it will never turn into anything concrete this is at least a first step, and I, I feel a significant step towards that. Yeah, I'm, my concern is that this ends up just being a, uh, a sort of a harassment vehicle. Uh, there's a great uh, interview that Justin Robert Young did recently on Politics, Politics, Politics about the toothlessness of the Federal Election Commission, uh, who are empowered to do all kinds of things, but the realities of, of their enforcement powers uh, leave them unable to do stuff. FTC has a little more enforcement authority than the FEC, but that said, you still need a lot of political will to really go through uh, breaking somebody up. And only if someone on the government's side is very angry at a particular company and pushes the FTC to go after them uh, for one reason or another, could be the current president, could be a future president, uh, I I, I don't see this really being full of a lot of teeth yet. So even this step might not have any effect, like at least putting people on notice or companies. It'll have an effect because companies will want to tiptoe around this. uh, But I don't I don't think you're going to see them storming in to to take Facebook to court to break them up or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, On lighter news, a survey conducted by Adobe estimates that 53 million people in the United States own at least one voice activated smart speaker. Uh, We are a nation of voluntary surveillance here. 74% of people use them to play music. Uh, That's one thing that I use mine for. 66% check weather. 58% ask fun questions like, how many pints in a gallon? Because we don't use the metric system. Uh, 66%, let's see, uh, setting alarms, checking news, searching. uh, Those are all popular as well. Shopping, however, not that popular. Only mentioned by 26%. And that's down from the last time Adobe did this survey when it was 30% back in August of 2018. The survey also found that people would like their television, their car, and their thermostat to have voice control, but not their oven, refrigerator, or washing machine. Uh, this actually tracks pretty closely to what I what I think and how I use mine uh, for the most part. What about you, Patrick? Uh, well, you know, I have two voice uh, assistant speaker things which 
I uh, have stored safely in a cupboard somewhere because they are <laughs> dumb and I don't use those things. I don't understand why uh, people use them. And yet everyone loves them, but I don't get it. I must be, you know, why do I use you? <laughs> Basically, that is what I want. Why? Yeah, it's I mean, I understand. Oh, did you actually ask the she's telling me how to use her? Yeah. Ah, right. Well, um, so I understand I'm in the minority here, but this kind of um, every story about voice assistants, and there are many, kind of befuddles me. Um, that being said, I, if you like voice assistants, initially when I was reading about TVs and thermostats, I was kind of laughing it off, but it actually makes sense. Maybe on a TV or a thermostat, it would work and not in an oven or refrigerator washing machine. That yeah. wouldn't be a I don't use mine for my thermostat, but I do use it for the television. I have a Harmony Hub hooked up to it and it's great. You just mm. say, turn on the TV and it turns on. All right. Google updated the Google Home iOS app to list Apple Music as an integrated service for home speakers, although it can't be linked to a Google Home device at the moment. Apple Music was previously listed in the Google Home app in a separate limited availability section as only available on iOS devices. So this is addressing two concerns that I've had. One concern is if Apple wants to be a service company, then Apple Music needs to be on more platforms. And and certainly all their services need to be on that more platforms. But Apple Music is their most successful service-oriented product right now. And this indicates that, hey, maybe we really will get Apple Music busting off of Apple products. That's a good sign to me. Uh, the other thing that's always bugged me about these voice assistants that we were just talking about is the wall garden aspect of them. I don't like that because I use an Echo, I can't get my Google Play Music on it. I don't like that if I want to use a Google Home, it's like, well, that's an entirely different ecosystem and entirely different choices, and I can't do all the same things on it. You know, uh, What I love about computers is even between Mac and Windows, you can mostly do the same things no matter which computer you have. So the idea, I know this is a very small section of that, but the idea of Apple Music showing up on Google Home when Google has its own music service uh, and Apple makes its own devices... I think would be a great sign that that we're at least eroding those walled gardens a little bit. I don't know if it's eroding the walled gardens or just getting Apple Music on that device, and that's where it's, it will stop. It's a very small erosion. Devices. It's not right, going to break down the wall, trust me. like a couple of pebbles uh, have fallen <laughs> off. Um, it reminds me of um, iTunes appearing on uh, Windows and hell freezing over as uh, Steve Jobs Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's somewhat similar. It makes sense for that specific uh, product, for that specific uh, service. I'm not sure it means a lot more beyond that. Maybe, you know, maybe we're going to see other Apple services come on other devices. But it seems like such a gigantic shift uh, for Apple to do. It would essentially mean Apple is pulling a Microsoft. And you can't do it halfway, right? You can't just do some of the services like half of them and the others you keep on your devices uh and you need to be everywhere if you go that uh route and and it this just is, doesn't this feel is, like yeah well this is step by step apple music's available on the amazon echo uh you've got itunes showing up on samsung tvs right like granted we're not even close to there yet mm. but these are the kinds of signs i would want to see that apple really is serious about doing that 
uh, versus like, well, we'll put iTunes on Android, I guess, because we have to. Uh, mm. You know, I, that always felt sort of reluctant. They never really supported it as well as they did uh, iTunes on iOS. Uh, I think with Apple Music, they've done a better job on Android and seeing them show up on the Echo, maybe the Home. You know, that, that starts to give me a little more optimism for this mm. marketplace. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Uh, France's Avenir Telecom, which licenses the Energizer battery brand, is showing off an 18,000 milliamp hour battery that's 18 millimeters thick and is also a 6.2 inch Android phone. Uh, in fact, Vlad's above <laughs> at The Verge says it's a battery with a phone in it. Uh, it has six gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes of storage, and a pop-up module with two selfie cameras in it. Uh, Vlad's above at The Verge also says it's three and a half iPhones thick. If you want to think of it that way, uh, the battery lasts a week, seven day battery life. Uh, it's going to weigh your down your pants, but it's seven day battery life or 48 hours of continuous video playback. You could really binge on this thing. The Energizer Power Max P18K Pop comes out this summer. We don't know the price. That's the biggest thing for me is what the price is going to be. But also, uh, again, just going off of Vlad's uh, article about this on The Verge, he said it was not the greatest user experience. So. Yeah, it seems so. First of all, I've never heard of Avenir Telecom, so I don't know who they are. But, um, you know, this is the kind of thing that is easy to make fun of, but that some people are going to get, get great use out of. Obviously, it's not something you want to be carrying in your pocket when you're just going from home to work and back. Um, but if you're going on a trip, if you're going um, somewhere where you can't, recharge your phone uh, instead of having 15 different batteries you're just going for three or four days you just take your phone and you're good for the entire trip um, i'm sure this is actually well i'm not sure but i would guess uh, this is the kind of device that doesn't fold doesn't have fancy sub screen fingerprint readers and stuff like that but people could actually get some serious use out of. And so I'm not honestly, eleven millimeters is not that thick. In the I, I have I have my it's power 18. bricks it's that I use. Millimeters. What's that? Oh, eighteen. It's eighteen. Okay, but still, that's less than two centimeters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's yeah. All right, I was thinking eleven. I Never mean, mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it's thicker. It's th- definitely thicker than a phone. It, that's. The point is, oh, it's thicker than a phone. Sure, to- I was trying to. I was thinking it might be thinner than the power bricks I use to carry mm. on, when I travel for for on the go recharging. I think it's about the same. Yeah, it seems maybe even a little bit more, but um, it's it, again, it's a kind of use. Maybe you're going sailing, or uh, I think the question is, why <laughs> you would need you need an anchor? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I think the question is, why would you want this rather than a slim phone and a battery? Because it's Which all in one. Is a fair question. So you don't but have, it's to, only you don't one. have to plug is... one into the other. It's all right there, I guess. Exactly. If you don't care about it, yeah. it kind of reminds me um, of the Nokia 210, uh, which was just presented at uh, MWC as well. It's kind of a, you know, it's a feature phone, a very small, tiny thing that costs 35 bucks uh, and you can browse the web and, and, and stuff like that. And it, but it has a one month battery life. Uh, and oh, that right. Cause is it's a tiny little something. feature phone, right? It doesn't need yeah. to suck the battery life off. Well, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think uh, this is the trend for new phones in the future. They're just going to get thicker <laughs> and thicker. 
<laughs> because we haven't figured out battery life yet. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Uh, a couple of stories kicking around this week that Microsoft would bring Xbox games to the Nintendo Switch. And we're not just talking about Minecraft. That's a whole different thing. Patrick, explain this piece in our time between Microsoft and Nintendo that might happen. <laughs> this is crazy this is for the video games industry something that is equivalent to uh itunes arriving on pc a few decades ago or a decade and a half ago it is insane that microsoft would actually publish its own games like we're talking about uh, uh smaller games that have been successful on the xbox but that are microsoft owned and as you mentioned minecraft was a very different specific product that lived on it, it doesn't uh, um, uh, follow the rules of the industry because in this industry, you have platforms that attract players by having exclusive games. And now Microsoft is saying, not only are we going to put some games on the Nintendo Switch, we're, we're also hearing about massive flagship franchises coming to the Switch. And the real kicker is that they would be bringing their Game Pass service, which is a subscription service to, to gaming, and their xCloud service, which streams games, as we've talked about a few times. I feel like I talk about this every couple of weeks, um, which means any Xbox One game uh, that is enabled in that service, it's probably all of them, would be playable on the Switch. Um, so... That means that Microsoft has completely uh, <laughs> transformed, is in the process of transforming its gaming business in the same way that it has transformed its tech business. Uh, thinking about their platform, not as a physical device, but as an immaterial thing that could be anywhere. Um, and that completely destroys the idea of consoles in the gaming space. I, I think it's it's worth reiterating for folks, uh, especially if you're distracted and driving and doing something else. This isn't Microsoft announcing it. This is a right. a uh, it was which which outlet said that they had a source told them right. It yeah. So there are a couple of sources. One is a YouTube channel that has a good track record. Uh, there's another one who is actually a, a journalist friend uh, friend in France uh, who also uh, vetted his sources. So, Direct Feed Games is the YouTube channel that Patrick's talking about. Right. And Jevideo.com uh, is a uh, source that added to those rumors. Um, and and so we're not certain, but it is uh, kind of reinforced by something that we do know it's going to be presented at GDC if I'm not mistaken. It's the fact that the social layer of the Xbox service is going to be available on uh, mobile phones and the Switch. So that kind of goes hand in hand. Um, and it's interesting for Microsoft because it means their games are available everywhere. Um, and it's interesting for Nintendo because I think they are going to keep their exclusive games on their console. Uh, but in that context, they would also get the games from the other uh, player. Uh, of course, the big uh, uh, elephant in the room here is the PlayStation 4, which we're guessing uh, Microsoft probably approached. And uh, Sony probably said, are you kidding me? That's not how things work. We do not want your service <laughs> on our console. Well, and, and, and honestly, 
Nintendo, the Switch and the Xbox uh, Game Pass and, and xCloud projects make sense to me. Nintendo is never trying to say that the Switch is your most capable piece of hardware. They're saying it's a fun piece of hardware. It's easy to, to play. It's, it's, it's convenient. Uh, and if you can access cloud gaming from Microsoft through it, that's just one more cool, fun thing it can do. But we all know that one of the things that fans of video games are pay a lot of attention to is hardware and performance. And am I getting the most performance? Can I get the least lag? And Nintendo knows that you're not gonna you're not gonna get the best performance doing a cloud gaming service on the Switch. It's just gonna be a fun way to access your game. And Microsoft knows that too. So this is super smart for Microsoft to say, hey, for that serious video gamer, there's still no better choice than the Xbox. At least that's what Microsoft's gonna say, right? Uh, but it doesn't erode that to provide cloud gaming access to the Switch. Right. Uh, the other rumors are saying that there will be another series of Xboxes, two of them, one a little bit less powerful, one a little bit more powerful for the next generation. So serious gamers will still have that option. Uh, but it underlines that Microsoft, the way Microsoft is thinking about its gaming business in the future is that it is an immaterial service uh, and the consoles the physical consoles are just one expression of that service which is available everywhere yeah pretty much in the same way that they want to be the infrastructure in tech and don't worry so much about selling you windows nowadays for you know 150 bucks they'll sell you a surface they'll sell you an xbox they make some hardware that is tuned to their services but they aren't trying to make all their money those are just ways to introduce you to their services is kind of the way it feels and maybe that's what they're doing with the xbox now too certainly looks like it and it's uh, so significant in the gaming space because again the the way that business worked uh was or still works is that you build a console you close it down and you bring gamers to your console via exclusives and then you can get those royalties uh on the games you sell uh, for your uh for your device And and so that completely changes. It makes the console or the platform rather, not a physical device, but the platform is the service. And you treat it maybe in the same way that you do uh, your consoles previously. But I'm wondering if Microsoft isn't uh, leaping ahead of the competition by doing this. And if things work out the way they look like they might work out uh, they will be in a very good position in for the next stage of the the gaming industry it's a it's a it's a big change i mean since i did the uh tech tv holiday gift guide show in 2002 uh, the the <laughs> recommendation has been pick the console that has the games you like uh that that might not be advice that matters in the future yeah yeah Weird to think that. All right. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Please do. That really helps us out. And f- join in the fun at facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. Uh, I want to check in with Nate Langson from Text Message, who is giving us a firsthand report on his experience with some of the products at Mobile World Congress, starting with HoloLens 2. Nate, let's hear from you. Well, you're joining me after I've just left MWC Barcelona for today. But the good news is that just before I left, I was given the chance to try out Microsoft's HoloLens 2, which you guys discussed uh, yesterday, I think. Now, for context, I should say I didn't actually get to try out the first HoloLens, um, but I've pretty much used every other uh, sort of VR headset out there from HTC, Oculus, Samsung Gear, uh, Vario, uh, which I'll come to in a little bit, Daydream, PSVR, all that kind of stuff. 
And all I would say up front about the HoloLens is that for its class, it's probably the most comfortable one I've tried and definitely the most balanced in terms of weight on the front and the back. Now, in my demo, I was given the task of rewiring part of an airplane. And actually, apparently, the bit I was rewiring was the bit that holds the engine on. They described it as quite an important part. I'd probably agree. Um, but it was also uh, in a booth and not attached to a plane at the time. So no one was going to die on my watch. And the HoloLens 2 has a wider field of view uh, than the first one. And as I walked around this, this uh, part of the airplane's wing... I had this big arrow and a, and a big arrow trail in my vision that guided me to where I needed to stand, in, you know, relative to the uh, to the wing. And then little circles would appear over parts of the plane that I needed to attach um, the wires to. There was also a little dialogue box in my field of view that would follow me around if I stared at a wall for a few seconds too. And it's a really impressive piece of kit, but the experience using it actually just really reminded me that we shouldn't ever really talk about HoloLens 2 in the same sentences, you know, things like, like the Oculus and the Vive. This is totally an enterprise product. It's still totally an enterprise product as well. And I was at the announcement with Satya Nadella and Epic Games' um, CEO Tim Sweeney the other day and when he said Epic would support HoloLens in future, I really don't think it'll be in the same way that the company would support other headsets. What I could actually imagine, having having used this, is a scenario where you still play a game on a big screen, but by playing it with the HoloLens on, you get um, you know you get more peripheral information um, in your you know sort of between your eyes and and the screen itself. I could see that working really really well. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention briefly is a headset by that company, Vario. I think you mentioned them briefly the other day, but I actually managed to get some time with this um, today as well. Now, this cost about $6,000. It was released last week. And again, it's very much aimed at enterprise customers. But here's the thing. Imagine Oculus, Vive, uh, PlayStation VR. Imagine they were all... As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. DVD resolution. I know they're not, but bear with me. Imagine they were DVD resolution. The Vario headset, in comparison felt to me like it would be closer to 4K. In one of the demos I had, I was sitting in a, like a virtual room of a craftsman, a craftsman studio with paint everywhere and wooden models and shelves full of like decades of old trinkets and things like that, um, like the inside of some open-plan woodshop that's existed for a century. And the detail and clarity and resolution was so insane, I honestly had to ask the guy giving me the demo if I was looking at some crazy high-res 360-degree video or photo or something. I mean, I could, I could literally stand in front of this virtual rack of CDs and books and read the text along the spine no differently to as if I was standing in front of a real shelf full of CDs and, and books. You could look down at the like chips in the wood grain on a workbench or the, there was another demo actually I had in a like an outdoor environment where it was raining and I could I could watch the raindrops hit the floor and and see the tiny ripples in the water that that they would cause when they hit it I'm not kidding I mean it's just not like anything I've seen before it felt like upgrading from the first iPhone straight to an iPhone 7 or something like no joke if anyone listening ever gets a chance to try it the Vario headset make the make the journey go and try it out it really is insane um anyway that'll that'll do it for me i think i've been looking at huawei's folding phone as well and and all the new stuff that's been coming out of mwc and i'm going to talk about that on text message later in the week um, but if you have any questions about anything at the show that you've seen announced uh feel free to let me know on twitter or you know just ask tom and sarah to pass the message along maybe i can record something else for you tomorrow. Incidentally, I did today see a robotic cat litter tray uh, that I'm sure Sarah will be very uh, excited about from a South Korean company where the there's a robotic arm that automatically cleans the litter away into a handy little tray and even sends you updates via an app about how many times your cat has been in the tray and how much the cat weighs and how many times it's, um, well, you know, done its, done its work uh, in there. It was, it was special. Let's let's put it that way. Um, anyway, back to you guys. Thank you, Nate. I think I saw that same thing at CES. I bet those people are at a lot of these uh, these conferences. Uh, in in relation to that Hololens two information, and again, thanks to Nate Langston from Text Message, NateLangston.com slash podcast. If you want to get that, uh, Thinnis in South Africa pointed out that Unreal Engine has powered several architect rendering software. Uh, packages to visualize homes during the design stage all the way back to Unreal Engine 2. So that could be a use for Tim Sweeney and the HoloLens. And an EMT field training officer, Andy in Milwaukee, said that while $3,500 may sound expensive, this is orders of magnitude more affordable than the current solution he uses with Sim Mannequins. Uh, And the uh, HoloLens 2 sounds pretty tempting for field training for emergency medical technicians. So thank you, Andy, for that. And thank you, Patrick Beja, for joining us today. Uh, what do you got going on to tell folks about? Well, you know, it's always about 
gaming and the world around us. Uh, so if you enjoy gaming, you might be interested in MVGB, the monthly video game briefing, where we will cover uh, in a couple of days, maybe even tomorrow, uh, the story we just covered, but in greater detail. And we'll also, of course, go over the games that are waiting for you uh, this month and a bunch of other things. And if you are in, really into gaming, go check out Pixels, which is a show about gaming that I do uh, more seriously. Not more seriously. That's not the right way to do it, to say it. Uh, for more core gamers, mm-hmm. both are available on your podcast app. And uh, I'll leave the Phileas Club for next time. Uh, go check out the Phileas Club, too, though. It's really, 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 really good. Our goal oh, each month. Frenchspin.com for all of that. Our goal each month right here on this show is to get one more patron than last month. Uh, we just need five of you, five of you right now. Uh, pull over to the side of the road or, or stop your jogging. No, uh, don't forget, though, when you go home uh, to check out patreon.com slash DTNS and become a DTNS member. You can get an ad free RSS feed, uh, special episodes from me, special episodes from Sarah, columns from Roger and more. Uh, you can find out all of the tiers that we have. You can get a commercial free version of Just Daily Tech News Show or you can get our Good Day Internet Show, which includes our pre and post show banter as, as sort of your your afternoon drive show of the internet it's only available at patreon.com slash dtns so help us get to our february goal right now our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com we're live monday through friday 4 30 p.m eastern 21 30 utc you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live back tomorrow with the aforementioned scott johnson talk to you then show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program (laughs) tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20 plus sports activities wellness programs you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family so book your next getaway with club med visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor